So I'm going to start today out saying that something really exciting that has been happening is that people have been getting in touch with me after listening to some of the episodes. That's cool, right? Nice. And a few listeners really enjoyed the rerun of the review we did on the movie Budo, which is so interesting. It brought back memories of times when they watched it. Sensei Rob Carbone watched it back in the 80s for the first time. (laughs) Wow. I wonder how many times he has seen it since then. I don't know. Call and ask him. (laughs) (laughs) I also got a lot of good feedback from the episode we just ran with the interview with Kim on her experience in meditation and breathing. So that's cool too, right? Uh, Very cool. I I love feedback, Sensei. Me too. And I appreciate you guys getting in touch. And of course... This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to another episode. This is a weapons episode, and I'm Sensei Michelle, here with Sensei Jackie and Sensei Derek. You would think that with all the weapons episodes that we've done, we'd have covered them all, but we haven't. That's a great point, Sensei Jackie. And over the past 200 plus episodes, how many weapons do you think y'all have covered? Seriously, I have no idea. Do you? Oh, I can't even imagine. I'll take a few in the notes because I have some favorites. I love the one on axes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. For example. But then I do like axes. All right. What don't yeah. you like, Sensei? Who doesn't? <laughs> now, I don't think we've mentioned yet that today is more weird and unusual <laughs> weapons. How many episodes do you think we've done about those? I think two. And this is our third, but I can't swear to it. Mm. That's what I think. I'm actually going to start today's episode because the reason I picked this first weapon is that I saw Master Jeff Collegian do a kata with it quite a number of years ago. In fact, I called him and talked to him about it a little bit. Nice. Yeah, it was fun. It was a nice conversation. The weapon is called a Nagamaki. And for the details, we used a site, fun site called swordencyclopedia.com. <laughs> wow. I never saw Sensei Jeff do kata with this weapon, but I sure wish I did. <laughs> it sounds a lot like the Naginata, which we did do an episode on. Uh, so can I just jump in real quick and say that it is a lot like the Naginata with some subtle differences. The main difference is that the Nagamaki has a blade and a handle that are almost the same length. Where the naginata is a long pole handle and a blade of only about 14 inches. Exactly. The nagamaki has a blade length of 60 centimeters, which is about two feet. And as you said, a handle of about the same length. And the nagamaki was used as a sword, not as a pole with a blade like the naginata was. Uh, The two weapons had in common that they were used to strike the horses as well as the samurai. And they were both very efficient at it. Yuck. (laughs) I agree with you, Sensei Jackie. Yuck. The Nagamaki was based on the Odachi, the long sword. The longer handle on the Nagamaki made it more balanced. It was used by lower ranking samurai in the 12th to the 14th century. Does. Definitely matches everything I've already seen, or I should say read about it. And its name which should mean something really cool, actually just means long wrapping. Isn't that boringly weird? Yes. (laughs) I'm sad that they didn't spice that up for us. (laughs) But do you guys remember that when we did our episodes on the katana, we talked about the hamon, which is an individual line along that cutting edge 
If you have never heard of it, you really need to search it out. It's a beautiful marking from both the heating and cooling process as well as the sharpening. I do remember, and I also remember how the craftsmen who sharpened the katana were as skilled a craftsman as the swordsmiths. If not more, correct? If not more. But back to the point, the nagamaki also has an individual and beautiful temper line pattern. I'll see what I can do about putting up a few pictures somewhere. That's a great idea because all of today's weapons deserve pictures, but they're all easy to image search if you don't want to look us up everywhere at Wildcat Dojo. Except on Instagram, where we're at Wildcat Dojo Conversations, and our email is dojoconversations at AOL. And see how quick I got that communication in there? <laughs> Slid it right in. You are so smooth. On the fast track. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and don't forget to mention that you're actually in the middle of putting all the episodes on the Wildcat Dojo YouTube page. Yes, I am. And it's kind of a fun project, although it's really slow. It's oh, a really slow process I can't for me. Imagine. Now, can we get back to Nagamaki? I say yes. Awesome. Now, this is an interesting little tidbit right here. Uh, There isn't a lot of historical evidence on the Nagamaki being used in battle, but I did find one instance. Okay, go. Uh, There was a Japanese warrior named Kawano Michiari that defended Japan against the Mongol invasion. He used a Nagamaki and later presented the weapon to the emperor, and it is still displayed at a shrine in Omishima. That's a great story, but I have a creepy one. (laughs) Okay, we're ready. There was a Chinese warlord named Zhen Shengong who hired in Japanese mercenaries. They fought with Nagamakis and became known in battle for dismembering both men and horses. Wow. Yuck. And gross. I agree. But, you know, we're talking battle. Mm. All right. I'm going to take this one home with a kind of a sad fact. It's really unusual to find a Nagamaki in original condition today. As time went by, the tangs or the centering of the handle, it was shortened and the blades were reshaped, making them look like traditional samurai swords. Mm. Bummer, right? Uh, yes, that's too bad. Sometimes when you're in the middle of something, you just don't know how cool it's going to seem later on in life. Uh, I'll even say like on my way here today, I was looking up some Nagamaki on like Amazon, eBay and stuff like that. And they all just kind of are reshaped now. Like the cheapest one I saw was like, Four hundred, five hundred dollars. Were they recently made? Exactly. Ah. So the, the older the the oldest one I found was upwards of I think it was three thousand, four thousand dollars. All right, it's time for us to move on to our next weapon. And to be honest with you, this one also has personal meaning to me, and that's because my sister brought me one from the time that she was living in Hawaii, and that was years ago. It turns out on a cursory search, the same type of weapons were being made by the Aztecs in South America and the Maori tribes of New Zealand. Us. And let's get started with how the weapon looks. Good plan. Uh, Most of them are shaped like like a little ping pong paddle, although the Aztec version has a shape kind of like a really wide knife. They're made out of wood and something sharp is attached to the outside edge. Okay, I get the difficult job of trying to say the names. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Sensei Jackie. But you have to admit you're better at it than we are. I don't know. I just have a lot of fun with them. Okay, here goes. The Aztec version is called the Maqua Weasel. The Maori version is called the Mata Cautete 
or Maripi. And the Hawaiian one is called the Leomano. Wow. Mm. That was good. <laughs> okay. Now we need to talk about how the sharp protrusions that come out, what they're made of. Oh, so do you mind if I start this one off then? Perfect. The Hawaiian version uses shark's teeth as the blades on the outside edge. And as of right now, I'm holding senseis and I'm telling you, these teeth rip and tear what they touch. But luckily, not bleeding all over the table this, this time. <laughs> <laughs> they do rip and tear. These are, they're still sharp to this day. Yeah, ridiculously sharp. Of course, uh, luckily, I've never hit anybody with it. I mean, if you did, uh, I think we have a whole different conversation. Right? Ouch. <laughs> yes, um, they really do cut. The Aztec version uses obsidian for its teeth or blades. Mm. So in typical Michelle form, I had to look up what obsidian actually is. And it turns out it's a stone or some say a type of glass, and it has been used to make knives for centuries. I read, I have to admit it was in Wikipedia, that it's so sharp that some surgeons like to use it for their scalpel blades, although it is not approved by the FDA. <laughs> wow. Just to be safe, let's pause and look up obsidian to make sure I've seen it before, shall we? Good idea, uh, Sensei. Very smart. I will say on a side note, using Wikipedia is at this point in our time in this podcast, it's just like phoning a friend at this point. You're so right about <laughs> that. And to go on with obsidian, it really does look like a black stone. Yes, it does. I agree. And it's interesting, isn't it? Yes. And I'm going to finish talking about the cutting edges. And for this, we use maoridictionary.co.nz, not our friend Wikipedia. I know, but don't be a jealous friend. <laughs> uh, and the New Zealand version was made of either stone or shark's teeth. Okay, so everything was either made out of some sort of stone or some sort of shark's teeth. That's where we landed. Us? Us. Do you think they all used string or rope to hook on the blades? Uh, from what I saw, not all of them did. The Hawaiian and New Zealand version used fiber to lash the teeth in place, but the Aztecs used adhesive instead. Perfect. And if you'd like to see Sensei's weapon, check out our Instagram page. Just to remind you, it's at Wildcat Dojo. And this is super cool because I was also wondering if they were being built at the same time. So I checked and here's what I found out. The Mac Wakwito was being used before the Common Era, where the New Zealand warriors were more active in the 1800s. But there is some evidence that the weaponry dates back much further than the 1800s. And that actually makes sense with the timeline of the Aztecs, hmm. etc., doesn't it? Yes. The Hawaiian version, the Leiomani, according to shakaguide.com and Brutaforge. So I use two <laughs> sites for this one. It also dates back to ancient times. And both sites added that there were no metal weapons at all in the Hawaiian islands before 1778 when ships arrived from the mainland. Hmm. So they crafted everything from what was the natural resource on the islands. Yes. I was wondering, did they just not have access to the ore? To develop the things? I don't know. You'll uh, look it up. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, yes. and, le and let me know, okay? So our next weapon is made out of iron of some sort, mm -hmm. steel, and it's definitely a fun one and historical. It's the cutlass, also known as the sword of pirates. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> Arr. 
what's really cool about this weapon is that the site that we used is called thewayofthepirates.com. Totally fun site. That was one of them. Another one we used was, of course, the Sword Encyclopedia of earlier. Us, us. And it turns out that the cutlass started as an everyday short sword used on land. And its name comes from a French term, coutelas, and means machete-like knife. All true, but over time, it became synonymous with sailors and, more importantly, pirates. So we really jumped into the facts here, and we're going to get into the shape, in other words, how it's shaped up, in one minute. But real quick, I want to say that the reason it became popular on ships was because it was short, and it had what's called a basket guard. The guard covered the back of the hand. I'm sure you guys looked them up and saw them. Yes. Neat, right? Incredible. Those traits made it perfect for fighting in close quarters, a.k.a. a ship. That does make sense. And one more thing before we describe the shape. The cutlass made its first appearance in the 16th and 17th century as an infantry weapon. It was popular because it was light, could be worn on the belt, and was good for both battle and daily chores, like chopping and quick digging if needed. Mm. Even the pirates used it for chores, as well as fighting. In other words, they would hack rope and stuff like that. At least that's what they said on the pirate site. (laughs) They would know. Okay, let's get into the shape. Where are we going? Wait, wait, real quick. (laughs) I read that the British soldiers used them as recently as World War II. Not to take up too much time. Wow. Go ahead. Not to take up too much time. I also read that sailors and pirates alike would practice fighting with wooden versions of the cutlass, kind of like we do with Bokens and Katana. Oh, now that's even cooler. I love that idea. I love that visual. I love the idea of pirates practice fighting. (laughs) I just never, something never entered my mind before. Did it enter your mind ever in your thought of pirates? No, but it does give me question as to whether if they pretended to lose a a limb. (laughs) Oh, stop. (laughs) Finally on to the shape and size. Well, it is a single edged blade and it is curved. The curve changes from maker to maker, but the famous ones have a big curve in them. Uh, And I'll add that it's shorter than most swords and also broader. It is about two feet long and a few inches wide at the center, which makes it perfect for fighting on a ship. Absolutely. The most common attribute of the cutlass is the guard. It's called a cupper or even basket shape. It surrounds half of the hand for great protection. Okay. I understand everything you guys are saying, and I'm going to ask you this. Do you remember when we said that one of the things that made this a popular weapon was that it was worn on the belt? I do remember. Well, the sheath or the scabbard is usually made out of leather with a belt loop. Although, can't you picture the pirate just sticking it in his belt and having it stick up here so he pulls it out somewhere near his chest level? That's what they always do in the movies. Of course, I can see that. And some of the scabbards were even made of wood or steel. Oh, I read that. And to add one more thing, the weight does vary from one to four pounds. But four pounds does seem kind of heavy for just a single-handed blade in close quarters. It does for me, but I was thinking about how you're on the show today when we talk about this. Mm -hmm. And you're a big man. So four pounds is probably not that much for you. That's half a gallon of water weighs Mm -hmm. four pounds. Four pounds in a couple swings if if you don't develop your wrist, regardless of the size. I can see that. It it would be kind of like holding two or three sigh at the same time. Uh, That kind of a weight. That's a good point. 
because that's also metal. I'm just saying point again. So you should laugh at my little, you know, pun. I don't we're really, fine. We're moving on. We're really diving in the deep end over here. <laughs> okay. Of course, we want everyone to check out YouTube videos of things being cut with a cutlass. Especially there's this episode of Forged in Fire where the cutlass is the last blade they make. Mm -hmm. And so they get on a ship to do the cutting. <laughs> it's totally a riot. I couldn't find that episode. Oh, I, if it's still in my queue, I'll send it to you. Okay. Thank you. I have no idea. You know, you never know how something comes up. But in typical forged in fire form, it was fun. Oh, you're so effy. <laughs> <laughs> Just for today. That was a full form sentence of mouthful. Thank you. I needed that. <laughs> Can you believe that it's time already for us to look at our weapons in pop culture? Already? I know. Time is going so fast these days. But before we do that, we need to do our two advertisements. One of them is Honor, Honor Athletics, Athletics, of course. course. Okay, Derek, you want to throw anything in on Honor Athletics? I've actually been to the Honor Athletics website at honor-athletics.com. Uh, I believe you do put it in the show notes. Yes, we do. It sure is there. And you can also reach them at 770-945-5150. And don't forget, mention Wildcat Dojo in your checkout for your 10% discount. And while you're being benevolent, could you please scroll down and check out our support the show link? That would be really nice of you. It's super easy to use, just like they all are everywhere you go. Awesome. Is that enough said? Enough said. Okay, we're moving on to where these weapons show up in video games, movies, etc. And I believe, Sensei Derek, you are starting us out. It'll be my pleasure, Sensei. I'll start with the Nagamaki. It is used in a bunch of games. Well, some that come to mind right now are Dark Souls 2 and one called Soul Blade. It's one of the original Soul Calibur games. Really? So Soul Calibur is its own series. Soul Blade came right before it. And I also have a movie reference. Awesome. In the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the elves use a similar shaped weapon. I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. You? I'll be standing on the wings with them. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie, are you a fan? Moderately. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to the Cutlass. Okay. The Cutlass is definitely used in live role play. And of course, you see it in every single pirate movie ever made. And it turns out there are tons of pirate video games. Did you know that? Yes. I did not. You were aware that, weren't you? Yes, but I also grew up with video games since I was like four or five. When it comes to the pirate video games, uh, there are obviously the Pirates of the Caribbean video games mm -hmm. and one called Sea of Thieves. And there are even pirates using a cutlass sword in Roblox. I find that interesting, that, that pirates are in Roblox. But I haven't really ever watched Roblox closely. So I'm guessing they have different worlds. To put it as simply as, as I understand it, it is a creator that you make your own video game. And, oh. and they have, I want to say at this point, probably hundreds of games within that realm oh. that people could just jump into. Nice. So moving on to the Lei Amano, I found no references of anything. In fact, all I got was blank screens in searching. Mm. So say you're out there and say you know more than I do. How cool would it be for them <laughs> to get in touch? That would be great. I know. I'm really excited to hear anything you guys have to say. And so that closes up this chapter of Weird Weapons. And it's time for me to thank you for being on the show. But the weird, see how I went there? Yeah. The thing about that is you're on so many times 
that you're just a regular. So we're going to stop with the whole um, formal thank you. Does that sound fair? <laughs> Sounds fair, Sensei. <laughs> okay, good. So uh, with that in mind, all we have left to do is say our goodbyes. Who's up? I'll start us off. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed Weird Weapons. We think part three. That's what we think. That's what we think. And of course, on that note, I'm going to sign us out. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.